You're listening to the Granola and Gasoline Maridol Podcast, providing a healthy dose of adventure therapy for marital irritation. Side effects may include laughter, inspiration, and strengthened relationships. Your hosts are Brian and Mandy Fable, creators of Granola and Gasoline. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the podcast. We are Granola and Gasoline. We appreciate you spending time with us here today. And we're going to do something a little bit different for this podcast. Instead of giving you a metaphor or a lesson, we're going to just tell a story and see if there might be some lessons that we might learn from talking about it and maybe you'll learn from us sharing the story. So pull up a warm drink, grab a cup of eggnog, and let's get going. Maybe just grab a cup of coffee. (laughs) Because it might be like July, and that's gross to think about eggnog. I think that was a reference to our Christmas video from two years ago, because you said that. I know what it was, but it's not relevant. They haven't seen the Christmas video. So check out that Christmas video. Post link in the description below. Let's start over. Actually, let's just get going. So we wanted to tell a story about a climbing trip that we went on. It was like the ultimate climbing trip. Yeah, it was going to be awesome. We're horsebacking in all these food, supplies, climbing gear into the Tickcomb Basin of the Wind River Mountain. It was going to be about two to three weeks, and that's a long expedition when it comes to things like this for rock climbing. Of course, things didn't go exactly as planned, and a humongous rainstorm came in and flooded all of the Rocky Mountain region. Which we didn't know because we were out of communication, but it just kept raining. But we were able to get some climbs in, and it turned out most of our friends ended up bailing because of the weather forecast. And so we just kept trying climbs, and and we'd get halfway up a climb, and then we have to bail because of weather. And this was kind of a breakthrough trip for me in practicing my lead climbing. I'd say it was a breakthrough trip for both of us because... We got so much experience in the decision-making of whether we should keep going or back off. And we left a lot of gear. We left a lot of gear in those mountains. <laughs> so there was one day, it was probably our most epic climb of the trip, and we were climbing this route called Sacagawea. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we had gone to the base of it the night before and camped just below the start so we could get an early morning start. We started at like 6 in the morning hiking up, and then starting to climb this long climb. Yeah, I think we actually set up like a separate camp, right? A satellite camp. Right at the base of it. Yeah. And then always the night before a climb, you don't sleep super well. Like you're usually going to sleep. You're kind of nervous. Yeah, you got the nerves going. You don't want to oversleep the alarm, which is just your watch. Alarm paranoia. Remember we wore watches? That's crazy. Whoa, watches. Yeah. Where did those go? I don't know. I've never seen them. That's funny. Anyway, so we get up, we start climbing this thing. I think... It was uh, like center right was the name of the route. Uh, Grade three. Four, I think. Grade three or four, five, nine. And the Joe Kelsey Guide to the Wind River Mountains does not have a lot of critical information. It'll say things like, find a crack system, begin climbing it, and... Reached the summit. (laughs) 11 pitches later, reached the summit. Attain the summit. So we started climbing it, and we were swapping leads, which means that sometimes Brian would go up first and take the rope and put the gear, and then the next time I would go up and put the gear. And at that point, Brian was a stronger climber than I was. So it was taking more time for me to be doing some lead climbing. My climbing has only deteriorated since then. (laughs) (laughs) But this was huge because sometimes when you end up in a long day like that, it's easy for the more qualified person or more experienced person to just like take over and start doing everything. 
And Brian was incredibly patient and encouraging in saying, well, you're, you're going to learn a lot today. And I did. I learned how to place gear. I learned how to unplace gear as I reversed, you know, the wrong route finding. But basically this day just sort of took forever. I think we made some wrong route decisions. The day deteriorated rapidly, it just as my climbing has over the years. It didn't start raining, though. This was one of those... It was the only day of the trip yeah, that it, it didn't rain. So and... we're, we're climbing, climbing, climbing. The days we're just watching the sun. We've collectively shared one Nalgene of water and like a half pound of peanut M&Ms. There was that one pitch. It was halfway up the route, and we like started going to the left, and then... The rock quality got really bad. We actually down-climbed yeah. the pitch and then started up to, to the, the other right. direction. Yeah. And those kind of things take, like, hours of time. Just wasted. Where you're not even making any progress. It feels like you're going backward. I mean, literally, you are going backwards. So we finally are getting closer to the top as the sun is setting, which is a bad feeling as a climber because you know that you have just as much of a journey to get down as you did to get up. And like we said, the description in the book was not detailed about a descent plan. I remember being at the top and watching the sun go down and just thinking like, well, this is going to be super interesting. We are going to sleep under this little, I mean, we're at the top, so there's like all kinds of little rocks, rocks and crevices and cave and we should things. maybe say the back side of this entire area is a glacier so whereas sometimes you can repel or walk off the back of a climb in this case it was a glacier with we didn't have equipment to be traveling on a glacier or know yeah, where crevasses might be it's the continental divide so on one side was sheer rock face that was the side that our camp was on and then on the other side it's a really gentle ice field basically and to get all the way around to a pass would be like a full day's walk. Like a marathon like of walking. Many, 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 many miles to get to yeah. a pass to then come back to the side where our camp was on. So we're totally at our limit physically, mentally, and we're watching the sun go down. Starts... I think I'm beyond my limit mentally. <laughs> I've, I've gotten there and I'm, I'm beyond. I think if I remember correctly, you are literally hitting your head against a rock. Yeah, I was like... <laughs> shoot dang shoot dang shoot dang i think i was using other words but just like man we're sleeping up here and keep in mind here's what we have you know the temperatures in the mountains at this time it started snowing it started snowing i think maybe we had like long johns pants we had rock shoes and one jacket so we're sitting there we're trying to decide if we should start trying to descend i'm sort of thinking like there's no way it's dark we're so tired we're gonna make bad decisions and the the descent says descend the ridge to the north i mean the descent on its own had we followed the ridge down would be hours hours four or five six hours yeah so we're sitting there and all of a sudden i see this light on the other side of the ridge coming towards us and i was like is someone else up here which is funny because this area of the mountains, they're, it's not very popular. And we're really far back there. So to see anyone is kind of remarkable. Yeah, and it's moving towards us and it's moving kind of fast. So I started thinking like, is this a trail runner? Is somebody else lost? Like what is going on out here? And it keeps getting closer and closer. And so finally I was like, hello? And the voice calls back, Amanda? which is my real name, but nobody calls me Amanda except for two people in my whole life, and one of them is named Paul Rickelli. Enter Paul Rickelli. 
an angel from heaven. Literally, in this case, he was an angel for heaven. Because what we were planning to do was take the ropes and make them into like a, a rug and then sleep on the ropes underneath a rock. Shivering with no food and water. Shiver. The shiver stay warm. Then wake up at first light after having slept at all. Like you're just staying shivering enough to be alive. <laughs> allow the time to go by and then go back to our camp. So it turns out Paul Kelly is working in Knowles course, which we both used to work for Knowles, this wilderness school, and they're doing glacial camping on the glacier that's on the backside of this peak. And they had heard our belay commands yelling back and forth, like on belay, off belay, and... Which probably was like, oh, here's some loose rock. Watch out <laughs> below. Oh, I'm off route again. I'm going to go the other way. And so he came up to check to see if it was climbers who might need help. And it turned out it was climbers who did need help, and it was us, and we just happened to know him. I recall the first thing that he said was, hey guys, what's your plan for getting off this thing? And then I think I said something like, I don't know, Paul, what's your plan for getting us off of this thing? Because <laughs> he's a pretty avid and remarkable mountaineer, and... He was like, well, I didn't want to make any assumptions, <laughs> but if you want to come back to our camp and spend the night in our vestibule, which is like the outside part of a tent, he's like, you're more than welcome to. This no, was... no. First he said, if you want to come back to our tent and look at the maps, we could give you a hot drink and some food. To which I replied, Paul, if we come to your tent, we're spending the night. <laughs> I can't explain how surreal that was having somebody come up and offer help in a time that we were at a real low spot. It was awesome. So then we had to like coil the ropes up and that took like 30 minutes, which normally takes three minutes because we were just so tired. We were quite fatigued. And it took Paul like 10 minutes to get to us. And then it took us like 30 minutes to get back because we could just like hardly walk. So we finally get to his 10 and we know the other two instructors there too and they cook us a meal with their food which they have limited supplies too so it's really an act of kindness they cook us a big meal make us hot drinks they give us all their extra warm layers and like backpacks to sleep on and in and um as we were going to bed i think i remember saying oh my first open bivy <laughs> which like one second we were thinking about weaving rugs out of our climbing ropes <laughs> and shivering the night and then we don't the even next, know how to weave rugs <laughs> yeah the next we're literally like in sleeping bags being five, fed five star drinks. tent camp yeah it was crazy so we did spend the night there we still were cold and still didn't sleep very well but, but it was way better way than better than anything. what it would have been and then we got up in the morning and we sort of picked a route looking at the maps and in daylight we're able to make our way back to our satellite camp pack it up and then get all the way back to our main base camp and that took almost the whole day we were still wrecked just walking yeah. back like we ended up going a little bit longer way, but it, it was crushing on the body. Yeah. And I remember we got back to the camp and we're just like sprawled out, laying, yeah. sleeping, eating. <laughs> yeah. I think the weather, that was also a decent day of, the of weather days. and, and we, we didn't rested, climb because yeah. we were so, it took us the whole day just to like get back to camp. Oh, fascinating. But it was a really remarkable experience in perseverance and resilience and also just like the good fortune of having something great happen to you when you probably don't deserve it. I think in the grand scheme of things, we know a lot of climbers that do pretty serious rock climbs and 
when you look at that spectrum, this isn't the most extreme by any means, but it certainly is more than like somebody who's a you know climber at the gym does. It's no small undertaking. Looking back at it now, this might have been the inflection point that we changed from doing climbing trips to climbing vacations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was the end of hardcore climbing for us. We learned a lot and we learned that no, that's not true. We later got married on a large climbing expedition. Remember uh, that? Yeah, that is true. And I think what's funny is when, <laughs> when we did our wedding adventure, which we'll post the link to the video in the comments here, but we sort of expected that things would go wrong because on this two-week trip, like basically everything had gone wrong right. that could. And so when our wedding adventure went exactly as planned, it was like such a gift or we felt so grateful because we just had grown accustomed to like problem solving and managing things not going well. Mm. And life is this way. And life is this way. And thank you, Paul Rick Kelly, for saving us. Paul. <laughs> and Zach and Rob. If you're listening to this, thank you. Thank you, guys. I remember getting up that next morning. You know, it's a Knowles course, so all the students are kind of getting their day ready. And we just kept they, walking they, out of the tent. They didn't really, I, I don't think many of the students knew that Paul had gone on this rescue mission and brought home these two disheveled climbers. <laughs> and then we're getting out of the tent in the morning and like waving at these other camps that are set up yeah making like, where'd you come from? they're like who are you guys where, yeah you know look who stayed the night yeah yeah <laughs> friends in high places and we had to do the walk of shame yeah out of that camp yeah it worked out oh we held our heads high i mean i didn't care at all where my head was held just that i was alive yeah just that the head was <laughs> connected to the body connected to the body <laughs> So, guys, also we're going to post a link of how to weave your climbing rope into, <laughs> no, we a, still don't know. into a rug. We haven't actually done it, but it's a popular thing in the climbing world, taking old retired climbing ropes and weaving them into intricate rugs. And if you don't want to learn about that, be sure to check out our YouTube channel with other videos about our adventures and our website that has merchandise from Granola and Gasoline if you might want to be wearing it. Thanks for listening, guys. We hope you enjoyed the story. There's many more to come. So peace, love, and two-stroke. Adios. Bye-bye. <laughs> Hi, guys. We hope you've enjoyed listening to the Granola and Gasoline Meridol podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and hop over to our website for more dynamite content at granolaandgasoline.com.